0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. As Tony mentioned, we are continuing our series, uh, Songs of Summer, a study through the book of Psalms. And we've mentioned that Psalms is uh, just another word for a song. And we're looking at the songs and trying to talk to you about what we feel the messages. Uh, in that songs. And we've been talking about how songs are powerful and music is powerful because they help convey a message. And they all often will take us back to places. We hear a song and it will remind us of an event, a situation or a circumstance. And I loved Tony's uh, example last week about Jaws, if you were here. He's like, I mean, can you imagine the movie Jaws without that musical score of... I mean, it just wouldn't be the same. It's that sound that knew you had to reach for the blanket and, and hold it over your head so that you just, okay, I know what's going to happen. As long as I don't see it, it doesn't matter. It, it didn't really happen for me. And uh, he, he shared with us some of his favorite songs and some of the memories that that brought back for him. And I just thought, I'm not competitive, but I thought, you know what, he had a chance So I've got to share some of my songs, some favourite songs, and some of the memories that they bring back for me because I just thought, hey, you need to know me, all right, in case you just don't know me well enough already. So firstly, I want you to listen to this song and I'm going to tell you what this song means to me. So thanks, guys, at the back. Come on. That's it. Derek's got the moves. Dancing Queen, come on, it's ABBA. Who remembers ABBA? I cannot hear Dancing Queen without going straight back to my ninth birthday, my very first album. ABBA Arrival, the helicopter on the front, there's Benny, Bjorn, the two Annas on there. ABBA Arrival, ninth birthday, Dancing Queen. Every time I hear that song, I am straight back there to my ninth birthday. What about this one? When Liberty Valance walked around, the men would step <laughs> Don't pretend you don't know it. Because the point of a gun was the only law that Liberty, Liberty understood. understood. <laughs> when it came to shooting straight and fair, <laughs> Come on. he, he was, was mighty good. Come on, you know it. Where's my younger hardest? Who knows that song? Gene Pitney, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Do you know why? That's a memory to me. Now, you may not know this, but there was a thing called records. (laughs) And then record players. And that song takes me way back to when I was a little girl, probably five. My dad had... I don't think he has it any more. It'd be worth a fortune if he did. He had a collection of old 45s. They were singles. None of these CDs, iPods, you know, MP3 players where you can download music. Records. And my job on a Saturday night, I could pick the single out. I could put it on the record player. I could pick up the arm, whatever you know, with the needle on, and gently place it without going <laughs> across the record as it moved. That would that. I hear songs like that. That takes me back to those Saturday nights with my mum and dad and their family and friends as they would sit around and have fun together and be playing those old time songs. What about this one? Come on, who knows this? When? Choose Life Michael, uh, George Michael. <laughs> George Michael, did I get it right? <laughs> as I said I thought hang on. Yeah, I want to tell you. We didn't have YouTube when I was a youngster, but if we had YouTube, I would have been an internet sensation. <laughs> My girl, that song takes me back to high school. My girlfriends and I, 80s hair, shoulder pads, fluoro, acid wash jeans, hairbrush microphone, mirror, and like choose life baby (laughs) when we didn't know what any of that was about and we certainly didn't know what George Michael was about (laughs) now Tony shared with you his favourite movie check out this song from my favourite movie remember this? know that the WEA record a spike in pottery attendance classes after that song. Now, the Righteous Brothers, I'm sure, didn't write it for that reason. But Ghost, the movie Ghost, immortalised that song. That song, I cannot hear that song with going straight to that scene. Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze. In fact, I actually did do pottery classes after that with my mother. I probably didn't understand why my mum wanted to do it. Now I do. But we went, we joined up pottery classes. And then I had a revelation. I could only make ashtrays and we only had one Nana who smoked. <laughs> and I already had my Patrick Swayze anyway, so. And then finally, one more of my songs that creates a memory for you. Please take it away, guys. The church has been Turner takes me straight back to our disco dancing days. Didn't matter if you had two left feet, no feet. That song came on and everybody went to the dance floor. So songs present a message. They create a memory. And the reason for our series is we want to take a look at some of those psalms, some of those songs, and present to you the message and the memory that was in, it was intended. So today, it's my privilege to share with you from Psalm 139. So I'm going to read it to you today, this morning. It is long. I need to slow down, take a breath. So Psalm 139, verses 1 to 24. If you have your Bible or your iPod or your iPad, then you can follow along. If not, it won't come up on the screen this morning, but I will read slowly so that you can follow me. All right. Psalm 139, verse 1 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting can i pray for us this morning, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning to hear your word. And we just ask that, God, you would speak to each and every individual in this room. That, Father, the message of this psalm would resonate deep within our hearts. And that you would come and take from us anything that is not of you. Where we've hidden behind things, when we've used things that have held us back. Well, I pray this morning that as your word goes forth, you would indeed set your people Free, And they would leave this place in a liberty and a freedom and a greater depth of relationship with you in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So Psalm 139. What is David telling us? What is the message of this song? I think what the message is, is that God knows you. It says in chapters, in verses 1 to 6, it says, For God, you know me. You know my thoughts. Even before I think them, you know them. God knows you. What else is that Psalm saying? Not only does God know you, it says God pursues you. He says, wherever you go, you you perceive my thoughts from afar. You know where I'm here. I can't go up high. I can't go low. There's nowhere I can go. Where can I go from your spirit? God not only knows you, God pursues you. God has made you. Verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. What else is David telling us? God not only knows you, God not only pursues you, He has made you and God has a plan for you. Verse 16 says, All the days for me, all the days ordained, are written in. Before one of them came to being, God, you knew them. You've written me. So the memory and the message of Psalm 139 is, God knows you. God Pursues you. God has made you. God has a plan for you. Church, what is the common denominator here? God knows who? You. God pursues who? You. you. God's made who? You. God, um, forgot. God has a plan for who? You. You are the message of Psalm 139. God loves you. You. God knows you. God pursues you. God has made you. God has a plan for you. You are the message of 139. You are who God has called you to be. And the subject that I want to speak about this morning is how we can be the best you, or how you can be the best you you can be. God made you. Look at the person next to you and say, You. And look at the person on the other side and say, You. Now, come on. I know it's Australia Day. I know it's a public holiday. I know it's going to be warm and you probably want to get down to the beach and I think there might be fireworks today or tomorrow. But right now, you've made the effort to be here. So if you've made the effort to be here, let's be here. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, She said, You. <laughs> no, you. Say it again. She said, You. Good, you, God made you, God wants you to be you and I want to share some tips this morning to help you be the best you that you can be. I don't know if you're aware and maybe it's just me but I really believe that we live in a society that is constantly battling against us being ourselves. There's, whether it is uh, blatant and in-your-face, there is definitely a um, subliminal message. There's definitely undercurrents of that you're not good enough. You only have to look at our marketing. They're always trying to do something to improve us. Nobody's happy. Even the fact there's extreme makeover shows are just going up and up and up. And the worrying thing <laughs> I saw not, re, uh, not too long ago, I think one of those current affair shows, like plastic surgery, girls as young as 13 are engaging in plastic surgery. There's something intrinsically wrong with our society that says that you're not good enough. And it's blatantly against the message of Psalm 139, which is saying, you are good. God likes you. God created you, you, and he wants you to be the best you that you can be. I look at um, our supermodels. I mean, go figure, supermodel, which means they're pretty good, right? It's a supermodel. We're not talking uh, almost their model supermodel, like she's the package. And yet there's not one supermodel when you see them in their magazine spreads who hasn't been uh, photoshopped or something done. They lighten their skin, they take an inch off here, they do this, they do that. There's something wrong with us that we're not happy being who we are. Actors. You know, how many Aussie actors have gone and they tell stories when they've been told, you know what, when you go for your interviews, try and disguise your Aussie accent. In other words, don't be you. And I get acting's about not, it's about being a character, but still, they have body doubles. I get a stunt double, because you know what, I really wouldn't want to jump from that. I get a stunt double. But a body double, because maybe you've got a mole on your thigh, you don't want anyone to see, or your nose is the wrong. It's like, what what is it about our society that encourages, don't be yourself? And yet Psalm 139 says, be you. I've created you that way. I want you to be you. All right, so that's what we're going to be addressing this morning. Edwin Elliott, one of my favourite authors, says this. By being yourself, you put something wonderful in the world that was not there before. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to put something wonderful in the world. And that something wonderful is me, and that something wonderful is you. And so, again, I want to share some keys that help us to be the best us that we can be. So, the first key this morning, if you're taking notes, how can you be the best you that you can be? Is you've got to remember that you're unique. Verse 13 in that psalm says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you know this morning that you are one of a kind? I don't mean, do you know it here? Yeah, yeah, I've read it, I've heard it. I mean, do you know it here? You are one of a kind. There is no one like you. We often talk about the testimonies and we say over 7 billion people in the world. That's not uh, taking into account those who've been, and that's not taking into account those who are coming. Right now, over 7 billion people in the world, and not one of us is the same. I mean, look at your fingerprints. I know you may think that they were designed for police purposes. Some of you, like, you know, because the police may need them for future reference. No, your fingerprints are a permanent reminder that God has made you, you. You are unique. He has made you that way. Did anyone see the news this week about the Nelson Mandela statue? You know, every artist puts his fingerprint on something. So our fingerprints are God's fingerprint all over us. It's God's reminder saying, this is who you are. Well, the makers who made the Nelson Mandela statue that they unveiled wanted to put their signature trademark, and they wouldn't let them. So what they sneakily did is they put a rabbit in his ear. It's taken, I'm not sure how long that statue's been there now, but it's taken until this week someone finally discovered the rabbit in Nelson Mandela's ear, and they weren't happy. And they asked them to remove it. The point being, it's the the artist's signature trademark. Your fingerprints is the artist's signature trademark of you. Every time you want to say, well, I'm not good, and I want to be this, and I want to be that, you need to look at those fingerprints. They're a reminder you have been lovingly designed and created. You are a a one-of-a-kind model. You're no accident. Again, it's Australia Day, but if you're going to clap, come on. I love what the message says about Psalm 139. It just says, Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. And I love the imagery there because if you've ever seen an artist at work, and maybe right now Unchained Melodies playing in your head and you're thinking of the pottery wheel, but if you've ever seen an artist, when they get into what they're doing, they totally switch off. And I can tell you years and years and days and days of going to the beach with the Rainbow family. And Mr. Rainbow, a.k.a. Keith, a.k.a. my father-in-law, is an artist and a sculpture of note. So I once made the mistake of saying, let's do a sandcastle thing. And we started, you know, and then we decided, let's do a mermaid. So, of course, I'm the mermaid. So it's 40 degrees. I'm sitting on the beach. Let's make this mermaid. So they start. Three hours later, I was like, melting. Like, Keith, can we get, all right, can we just take the photo? But you know what? Keith, hours making sure we've got the tail shape right. Then there's the fins, and he's in there, and he's got all the things on the ends of the fins. Because, you know, if, you see, if you've, seen, you've seen a mermaid's tail, right? You've all seen one. So they've got the feathering down the bottom. And then there's the, from about the waist down, he's got a, uh, all the sand in here, and then it scales. So not, he can't just leave it sand. It's like every, so scales. So like little shell-shaped scales, three hours. And then the bodice. I was just like, all right, just take the photo. Like, please, like, I'm melting, I'm melting. But you know what? Every time I think of that, it's a picture of God and what he says. He says he shaped me inside and out, and I can see Keith now. He didn't care whether I wanted it that way. He was like, no, this is, I am the creator, creators at work, leave me alone, back off, don't even think about giving me direction. He was in there doing it. And that's a picture of what God has done for you. He's created you. He's knitted you together. He's got in there and said, he's formed the inside and then the outside. He's got in there. I'm not going to argue with you whether he's spoken into being, but it just says the spirit came in and he's a part of you. God has created you. He has knit you together. He's come in and lovingly and thought, I'm going to do this. So that that, um, nose shape that you have, that eye colour you have, the hair, maybe the bone structure you don't like, the way you process things, the way you think, the way you see things, the gifts and the talents, the things you're good at, the things you may argue with, God lovingly put them in you. God's formed me and said, there's a purpose for why I've done that. This is why I'm doing that. God has created you unique. You are like, have you you've seen pottery? You can go to the shops and buy a dinner set by Maxwell and Williams and it's nice. Or you can go to one of those handmade pottery places and buy a dinner set. And while they're matching, they're intrinsically different because they've been handmade. There's just a little nuance here and a little nuance there. And I love where I read somewhere it says, you know what? We're all made from the same dirt. We're just different. Utensils. If you're struggling to be you, if you are fighting with the fact that God has made you and you don't like who you are, remember this. You are unique. You have been lovingly handcrafted purposefully and deliberately by God the Father Himself. The first key for you to be good at who you are is to understand and know that you're unique. The second key for you to be the best you that you can be You've just got to stop comparing. Verse 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now you may sit there and say, Well, it's not rocket science. We all know you don't compare. Okay, if that's true, why is it that comparison constantly trips you up? It trips me up and it trips you up. Comparison is a thief, comparison steals your satisfaction. I mean, because, you know what, I was quite happy with myself until she walked in like that, and then I started thinking, oh, hang on, that doesn't add up, and... Comparison steals your joy. Comparison steals your self-confidence. Comparison steals all the things that God has placed in you. If you want to be the best you, you can be, stop comparing. 2 Corinthians 10:12 says, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who have commended themselves, for when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. What is that scripture saying? It says, "You're an idiot if you compare. So sometimes you know, I have to look at myself and say, Kath, you're an idiot. No, you're not really an idiot because you're made in the image of God. You're just doing a silly thing. Stop comparing. And the sad thing is that there is nothing immune. There's no off limits to what we'll compare. We'll compare everything. Compare our husbands, compare our homes, compare our pets. No, my dog's better than your dog. No, my, my rabbit's better than your rabbit. Our kids, our scores, No, I got 20 in my HSC. I got 18. There's nothing we will not compare. Stop it. Be the best you you can be. Stop comparing. There's nothing worse than a second-rate Tony Rainbow. We've got a first-rate one. Be a first-rate Drew Clift. Be a first-rate Clive Bennett. Be a first-rate you. Stop comparing. I don't need another Tony Rainbow. This world doesn't need another Tony Rainbow. This world needs you. I, so, I think they clapped a little bit too much there. You know what, can I just share a personal testimony. When we first started ministry um, 20 years ago, um, I've shared before just my, some of my background and where I've come from and, you know, different women. Like, I mean, Gay Benison is here this morning. You've seen Gay. So Gay is one of my role models. I mean, Gay and I are different. She's loving, caring. She's, you know, people just go, ah. Oh. I, I didn't used to get that response I don't know why go figure but a good friend of ours in ministry you know when I was fighting the fact of I don't want to speak and what have I got to say and I don't know what to do you know what he said to me he said Kath do it in accordance to your faith so we're talking about don't compare you know the thing that set me free I do it in accordance to my faith I love Joyce Meyer I love Bobby Houston Christine there's some amazing female preachers out there but you know what I'm not them and I can get all bent out of shape or intimidated in trying to be them and thinking, well, I don't measure up, or I can do what Chris told me. He said, Kath, do it in accordance to your faith. You've all been given a gift, a talent. You've all been given a race to run. You've got to do it in accordance to your faith. In uh, Romans 12:6, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. In other words, whatever it is, Do it in that. Don't try and do it how they have done it. Do it how you've been doing it. I love the message on that scripture. It says, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. I mean, how plain is that? We are enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. In other words, just be you. Hebrews 12:1 says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You have a race to run. I have a race to run. Joyce Meyer has a race to run. Christine Kane has a race to run. Whoever it is that you see that you're comparing yourself to, they have a race to run. Here's the thing. It's your race to run. And I've used this analogy time and time again, but the the prize for me is at the end of my race. And if I try and run my race in your lane, it's an instant disqualification. Olympics is coming up, it's one of the rules. If you run out of your lane, you're disqualified. You've got a race to run, I've got a race to run. If I want to be the best me that I can be, I've got to stop comparing. And seeing how you run it and why you do it and just go, you know what, I've got my race, I'm going to compete in accordance to my faith. You can improve, but don't imitate. Imitation is a poor copy. Take what you've learned and bring it into your context. So verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So just go ahead and be that. All right, we're talking about how you can be the best that you can be. It requires you accepting who you are. Verse 13 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God has made you a certain way. Can I be as gracious and as loving and as kind as I can be? Can you just accept it and get on with it? Like, seriously. That's why if I was God, I'd be just like, you know what, tell someone who cares. But God's like, I've done it. I love this scripture that just says, you know what, my ways are not your ways. I'm like, Lord, I would have done it better. Literally, whenever I'm fighting God on what he's asking me to do, that's what I am telling him. I might not be brave enough to say that, but that's what we're essentially saying. It's like, you cut it wrong. Wrong. No, no, Kath, I've actually uh, given you this gift. Wrong, you should have given me the gift of singing. I mean, you heard me sing Liberty Valance tonight. Come on, I've got it. So like, that's what we're doing. When we don't accept the way God has made us, we're telling him that He's wrong that he just, he just didn't get it right when it comes to this. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. He knows what he's doing. Jeremiah 29 and uh, Natasha said it. it. says, I know what I'm doing, says God. I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Not liking who you are is like telling God he failed or telling him you would do a better job. It's calling him a liar, as I've said, And I think that that's pretty brave. When we don't know what, when we don't accept what he's saying about us, that's literally what we're saying. But how's this? This is a revelation I had a couple of years ago when I read this scripture. Isaiah 45, nine. Listen to what the Bible says to us when we argue with God and we don't accept that he knows better and that he's made us a certain way and that we just need to accept it. This is what he says. He says, but doom to you who fight your maker, you're a pot, at odds with the potter? Does clay talk back to the potter? What are you doing? What clumsy fingers? What a sperm say to a father who gave you permission to use me to make a baby. Or a fetus to a mother, why have you cooped me up in this belly? That's what God's saying. Doom to you who fight your maker. If you're sitting here this morning and unhappy with God in terms of how He's made you, the gifts He's given you, the calling on your life, the talents that you have, the way you look, doomed to you. Happy Australia Day. (laughs) (laughs) Doomed to you. But not doomed to you like in too bad, but doomed to you, stop fighting. Accept it and get on with it. God's the master creator. He loves you, He knows you, He's for you, He's got a plan for you, He's made you a certain way. Be you doing to you. Accept it. This is how I am. Again, I'm all for self-improvement, but self-improvement, not trying to be someone else, all right? Self-improvement. Just be you. Fourthly, be thankful. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Thank God for what a great job he did with you, even if you don't believe it. Tony has the saying, to think is to thank. Often we say, I don't know what to say to God. That's because we often don't sit down and think about it. You know what? You need to take some time to think about. What is it, God, that I am thankful for and how you've created me? And can I be honest? Let's be honest. If you are here this morning, you go, well, I I honestly have nothing to thank God for. Well, then let's start thanking God in faith. Why don't you thank him for what he says about you? So even if you're at that place where you say, well, I don't believe what he's saying about me, but let's be thankful. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The Word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And we need to start hearing ourselves say positive things about ourselves. Maybe you don't believe it. Maybe you really are struggling with the gifts and the talents He's given you. Maybe you're really struggling to come in to grasp what everything He wants you to do. But then why don't you start operating in faith? God, I'm going to thank you for what it is. So if you haven't got a list, I mean, maybe you don't have the gift of self-assurance like some of our leaders. Do. The gift of self-assurance says, I oh, thank you. I get up in the morning, in that morning, I look in the mirror and I say, Tony Rainbow, you're one lucky guy. <laughs> Maybe you don't have that gift. Maybe you don't have that self-assurance and you haven't done. So then start with this. Here are some things you can say, start. Write them down from tomorrow morning. You get up and you say, "God, I thank you that I am loved." John three sixteen. I thank you, God, that I'm gifted. Romans twelve six. I thank you, God, that you chose me. One Thessalonians one four. I thank you, God, that you've called me. Romans eight twenty three. I thank you, God, you've equipped me. Two Timothy three seventeen. I thank you, God, that before anybody disapproved of me ever. You approved of me, Romans eight thirty one. Faith comes from hearing and we need to hear ourselves say good things about ourselves. Agree with what God says about you. It doesn't matter what they said about you. What matters is what God says about you. And God has said those things about you. And as you prophesy them and speak them over yourself, you'll start to believe. The Word says that as a man thinks... So he is. As you start to change your thinking, you thank God for the way he's made you. I thank you, God, you've created me this way. I thank you that I think that way. I thank you that I see that way. I thank you that I've got this height It means I can reach things on the top shelf for the little old lady in the supermarket. I thank you for what you've given me. I might see it as a curse, but God, you have given it to me to be a blessing. Thank God. Be thankful. I love that saying. Tony mentioned it again last week. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. If you want to feel better about yourself, start watering yourself. Start prophesying and speaking to yourself. And then finally, we're talking about how to be the best you you can be. Include God. Verse 23 of Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. 24 says, See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. There is no better person to reach out to to help you be you than God Himself. Ask Him. Ask Him to help you. Say, God, I really struggle in this gift that you've given me. I really struggle. So help me. So when Chris said to me, Katha, preach in accordance to your faith. Lead in accordance to your faith. I had to get on my knees and say, God, I need you to help me. I see how gifted Tony is. I see what he can do, his confidence. That's not me. Help me. Be me. I had to include God. Say, God, come and help me, lead me, guide me, teach me. I had to do some work. Sure, I had to work on things. I had to work on communication. I had to work on knowledge. I had to work on personal skills and things like that. But I included God. I said, God, you come and do that. You've you've created this me this way. You've got the instruction book to life. So I'm going to read the instruction book and help me to be able to facilitate the things you've called me. Ask God to help you. Ask Him to guide you, to teach you, to empower you. One of my favourite old songs, come Holy Spirit, full afresh on me. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm in a position where I cannot, I don't have the strength, the grace, the words, whatever. Come and won't you be to me what I need you to be? Include God. We want you and God wants you to be the best you He can be. He says in that, David says in that scripture, search me God. Where do you say, search me, God? God, where am I complaining about the things you've done or asked me or given me? Where am I complaining? Show me that, God. Where's the, where am I arguing with your design and plans for me? Where is my non-acceptance of these gifts and talents literally saying, I don't agree with you? Where, where is that in me? Search me, know me. Why, what, what actions, what am I doing that's offensive to you? God, help me, lead me, guide me and help me make the changes I need so that I can be the best me that I can be as our mudo's come up and I'm going to hand back to Tony. This is what I want to leave you with this morning. Every time you feel down on yourself, every time you feel you're no good, every time there's that curse of wanting to compare yourself to others or you just have that negative thought of I'd just be better off being someone else, I want to pray that Psalm 139 would be to you like Nutbush City Limits is to me, like Dancing Queen takes me back to my ninth birthday, but Liberty Valence takes me back to my dad's knee. I pray Psalm 39, 139 would be a moment that's created a memory for you. And that memory is that God knows you, God pursues you, God has made you, God has a plan for you. That 139 would be a message that says that God loves you, that he wants you, and he wants you To be the best you you can be. The you he created you to be. And I want to finish, as I hand back to Tony, with this quote I read from Brian Hewson this week. It was a tweet. And he says, You are God's handiwork. When he created you, he knew what he wanted, and you are what he came up with.